Pastor Ed Taylor says there's comfort to be found in the realization that God knows us. Maybe you did make a big mistake and you try to make it right and nobody will let you make it right. God knows. Maybe you said the wrong thing because you were in the flesh, but now that you're in the spirit, you're repentant, but nobody wants to forgive you. God knows. Everything that they've said is so untrue, except for that one little thing that God's already working on you. God knows. I mean, take great comfort. God knows you don't have to defend yourself. We're misunderstood. We're maligned. We're slandered. Our name is smeared. And we just trust in the Lord. Just hold on to him. Because God knows you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Glad you could make it, and welcome to Abounding Grace, where we set out to open and study the Word, applying its truths that will impact our lives in a great way. In fact, today, Pastor Ed Taylor will spotlight five of these great truths, and we pray you're left encouraged in the Lord. The first is God knows you, knows all about you, and it gets even better. He still loves you. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. I do want to encourage you with these truths that you can go home and just, oh, Lord, you're so good to me. And number one of the five is God knows you. That's how Paul started. God knows you inside and out. You know, other people know a little bit about you. People that are close to you, you've let in a little bit more. There are a few people that know a lot about you, but only God knows all about you inside and out. And so it really doesn't make much sense to, to live a life in front of other people to say, well, I'm going to live one life like this for all the Christian friends that I have and all the spiritual things. And when I'm at church, I'm going to be one thing. But as soon as I walk out the door, I've got a whole different life. I've got a whole different environment. I have to be a different person. If you choose that route of living in compromise and hypocrisy, just understand something. God knows you. He knows you inside and out. Not desiring us to live two lives, but one. One life in Him. His knowledge of you goes back to the womb. Well, actually, it goes back before the womb. Would you flip back to Psalm 139 and pick up with me in verse 7? I mean, what a comforting thing. God knows you. He knows all about you, whether you are living, you know, two types of lives or whether you're just living day by day, trusting in the Lord. God knows you. He knows all about you. In his justice and in his mercy and in his righteousness, God knows you. You don't have to explain yourself to anyone. You don't have to try to, you know, this is really encouraging when, well, when you are slandered and misunderstood. You ever been misunderstood? Anyone here ever been misunderstood? Yeah, yeah of course you have. I see a few hands, but those that are listening in don't see your hands, okay? You got to answer here. I mean, we've been misunderstood, and sometimes that misunderstanding, you jump in to try to explain yourself, and then you're misunderstood more. And then other people, now they start talking to other people. Did you hear about so-and-so? Now they fall into the sin of gossip, and people actually believe their gossip. And now you're being slandered, and people are dragging your name through the mud, and all you did was, was just a little slip-up. You tried to apologize, and now you find it a big mess. God knows you, and he knows the truth. You don't need to worry about anything else. I mean, that blows my mind. 
I mean, he knows you. You probably, maybe you did make a big mistake and you try to make it right and nobody will let you make it right. God knows. Maybe you said the wrong thing because you were in the flesh, but now that you're in the spirit, you're repentant, but nobody wants to forgive you. God knows. Everything that they've said is so untrue, except for that one little thing that God's already working on you. God knows. I mean, take great comfort. God knows you don't have to defend yourself. Here's your choice. You can either allow God to be your defender and have all the resources of God at your disposal. He'll take care of you, cover your back. He'll watch your sides. He'll take everything, care of things in front of you, behind you. Or you can be your own defender and you're on your own. <laughs> what do you want? You just be your own defender and try to fight your own battles and say, oh God, I don't, I'm only going to hold you for the big ones, God. I'll run to you for the big ones. I'll take care of all the little ones. Well, what you'll find is that misunderstandings happen all the time. Gossip, unfortunately, happens far too much. We're misunderstood. We're maligned. We're slandered. Our name is smeared. And we just trust in the Lord. Just hold on to him. Because God knows you. And he knows that if everything they're saying is right, he's going to deal with you big time. Like, you don't have to worry either way. I mean, if some of the things that are being said actually aren't gossip and aren't slander, but they're actually the truth, then God's going to take care of it in your heart and in theirs. And you can trust him. I mean, he's known you even before the womb. Pick up in verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? Psalm 139, verse 8 now. If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning, I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Verse 13. For you form my inward parts. You've covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in the book, your book, they are all written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet there were none of them. And then listen to verse 17. I love this. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. I mean, just realize, guys, God knows you. God knows all about you. That's number one. Number two, God loves you. He loves you. I mean, not only does God know you, but with all that he knows about you, he still loves you. Isn't that great? How he knows you inside and out. I mean, he knows things about you that you don't yet know. The Bible says that before even the words are on our tongues, on our lips, God knows what we're going to say. And God, he loves you with an everlasting love. Jot this one down in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. It says, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. How long is everlasting? It's everlasting. It's eternal. His love is not based on your performance. Your love is not based on how good of a Christian you might be, of what standard you and I might live up to. He loves you because God is love. That's his nature. How careful we need to be that we don't come to Jesus Christ in a way that we say, well, you know, I understand that salvation is a free gift and I received that free gift and then once you receive that free gift, you're going to start working, 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 working to please God. 
I'm just going to work hard. I'm going to make sure that I'm in the Bible all the time, that I'm praying all the time, that I'm doing more, that I'm serving more, that I'm work, work, work. And those of you that have gone down that road, you realize, right, don't you? You realize that all that road leads you to is exhaustion. Now, does that mean that God hasn't saved us for good works? Absolutely not. He has saved us for good works. But those works flow through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't work to try to gain some merit with God. We don't work to try to gain some upper hand on our brother or sister and say, hey, hey, how is your church attendance this year? I haven't missed a service. <laughs> you haven't missed a service? And so God loves you more? Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't love you anymore. Although your time spent in the word and at service and with other believers has been very beneficial for you, hasn't it? Built you up spiritually, strengthened you. But you know, God's love isn't based on your performance. He didn't save you on performance. He loves you because God is love. And in Christ, the truth is, you're lovable. In Jesus, he loves you. Number three, God knows you. God loves you. And number three, God has called you. See, he's drawn you to himself, but he's also called you and given you spiritual gifts to exercise within the body of Christ. There is a place for you in the church of Jesus Christ with your unique makeup, with your unique personality. You have been saved with a very unique calling to fulfill by God. You can't fulfill someone else's calling. You are you, and God wants to use you. That's his work in the life of the believer. You and I couldn't come to Jesus unless he called us, and now that he has called us and we've responded, now he wants to use your life wherever you might be. It could be into some kind of ministry, serving within the church. It could be to changing everything at your work. You may start a little Bible study at work. You may be a, a vessel to minister to that new employee. You may be a person that through your life circumstance, you can be an encouragement to 10, to 20, to 30 people. You may be the person that God uses in another person's life to bring them to Jesus Christ. God has called you. And living in and living for Jesus Christ is not aimless. There's purpose. There's direction. God wants to use you and use your life. I love how Peter described it. He says, you weren't redeemed from your aimless conduct with corruptible things. You can jot it down in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. It wasn't corruptible things that you were redeemed with, silver and gold. I mean, that's the value in our society today, isn't it? Silver and gold. How much money do you have? How much money have you made? How far have you climbed the corporate ladder? What do you have to show for yourself and all your effort? That's how the world values you, but that's not how Jesus values you. Jesus values you with his own life. He shed his blood for you. Whether you are a gajillionaire or you don't have a penny to your name, the value in your life is the same the very precious blood of Jesus Christ. Don't let this world rip you off into thinking that you're more than someone else because you have more or you're less than someone else because you have less. Be content with what you have and use everything that's been given to you for the glory of God. And be faithful. Be faithful as a steward of all that God has given to you. But also be careful. Be careful not to think that your value is higher or lower depending on what you have or you don't have. You know, there's this big move today. It's been going on for probably the last 30 years. It's in the church as well. It's not just in the world. And there's this emphasis to go search for meaning and significance. I mean, where's my meaning? What's my purpose in life? And there's all, it goes all over the place. And you'll hear some people say, well, you know, listen to this 
CD thing over here and buy this book over there. And that'll give you meaning. That'll give you significance. And many people will tell you something like, hey, go find yourself. That's it. Go find yourself. And so you go on a quest to go find yourself. How many marriages have been wrecked by people that have taken that advice? And I need to go find myself. And I just need to drop everything, forget about all my commitments, and go find myself. And what happens when you go find yourself is you find yourself. And you're not happy. You're not happy with yourself. And so the world's come in and say, you know, what we really need to do is when you find yourself and now you're not happy with yourself, what we really need to do is start building up your self-esteem. We've got to really make sure that your self-esteem is strong and it's growing and you really feel good about yourself. The problem is, is that when you find self, you find that self is often self-centered. You find that self is often self-absorbed. You find that self-esteem is often false when the reality is, is that the Bible tells us that our self is pretty gross. Apart from Jesus Christ, our self is nothing to be praised or honored. You know, what we do when we find ourselves is we find that, well, according to Isaiah chapter 64, that our righteousness, our goodness is like filthy rags. You know, when you find yourself, you find, well, your heart isn't all that pure after all. According to Jeremiah chapter 17, the heart is deceitful above all things. You see, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, your heart's not going to lead you toward God. It's going to lead you away from God. What we need is not self-esteem, guys. What we need is Christ-esteem. We need to find our sufficiency in Jesus Christ. I realize and I understand, and I say this with great respect, that this may be a blow to some of you that have spent your whole life trying to build up yourself. But what you found at the end of building up yourself is that you're very far from God that you're not where God will really want you. You see, in order to follow Jesus Christ, my Bible says, and if I was to take your Bible, it would say the same thing. If anyone wants to follow Jesus Christ and has that desire, he is to do what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow Jesus. We need to set self to the side. The cross of Jesus Christ reminds us that it's not about us. It's about him and his finished work. And the more that we build up self is the less that we depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I have found in my life that self, Ed, has gotten Ed in more trouble. But when I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he takes me out of trouble. He leads me away from trouble. And he wants me to learn. I mean, even when my world is spinning out of control, when things aren't lining up the way that I want them, you know, maybe I can't pay this month's college tuition. Maybe I can't pay this month's light bill. Maybe I'm wrestling about what I'm supposed to be doing as a single person or, or this divorce is still weighing heavy on my heart and it's breaking my heart. And even when everything outside of my control and all of myself has no resources and no strengths, I can trust in the Lord. He's my strength. He's my sufficiency. And God has called you to himself to exchange your life for his life. That now he lives his life through you that by his spirit, he strengthens you. He becomes your strength and your hope. And your value has everything to do with what God has paid for your life, the precious blood of his own son. Number four, number one, God knows you. Number two, even though God knows you, he loves you. Number three, God has called you. Number four, God is at work in you. Even when it seems like he's not, God is at work in you. Would you turn your Bibles over to Philippians chapter 2? Let's look at it. I know we're running out of time, but I want to finish this. I want you to leave encouraged in the Lord. So stick with me. Philippians chapter 2. 
Verse 12. God is at work in you. I think we forget that. I think we let everything around us just kind of blind us to what's going on. It's overwhelming. I'm not quite sure. Things aren't working out the way I'd want them. I just got blindsided. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm dealing with myself and all the things that come our way. They come to all of us, guys. It's not just to you, you, and you. It's to all of us. We forget that God is at work in us. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Pick up with me. Verse 12. You guys got there a lot faster than I did. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Too many Christians stop right there. Okay, Ed, I got it. I'm going to work for the Lord. I'm going to work out this salvation. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. And, and all that's fine and good as long as you're not working to earn favor with God, but that you're allowing God to work through you because you've got to read the next verse. Yes, there is this working out, not working for, but working out, for it is God who works in you. Notice, to will, so he's giving you new desires, a new willingness, a new desire, and to do, the strength to follow through with what he's given you, for his good pleasure, for his glory. So all the pains and all the setbacks and all the sufferings of this world come because this world has fallen. It's fallen far from God, and don't beat yourself up over your own failures, because God is still at work. Yes, God is still at work to give you new desires, new wishes, new strengths, and he's working to do through you for his good pleasure, to bring his name glory on the earth today, to bring people to him so that their sins might be forgiven, their lives might be changed. Finally, number five, not only does God know you and God loves you, he's called you, he's at work in you, and what we've learned from Paul in this section is that fifthly, God is keeping you. He's not throwing you away, he's keeping you. He's not done with you. I mean, when I get to that place in my life where I'm just looking at my life and I'm not seeing any outward fruit, I'm not seeing a tremendous amount of growth, I'm not seeing so much progress in my life, I love to fall. You're already in Philippians, go back to verse six of chapter one. I love this verse, I love it. It reminds me that God isn't done with me He's keeping me. I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm justified. I'm glorified. God is not finished with me. He's working in me. He's working through me. He's giving me new desires. He's giving me the strength to follow through. And verse 6 says of chapter 1, being very confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in me, in you, will what? That's right. He completes his work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. It's not just, oh, thanks, God. You're working on me. You're working through me. But no, you can have confidence in him that he is going to complete. He's going to finish. He's going to bring to fruition all. He's not done with you. Everything that's been in your life is being used by him. Let me give you another one, Psalm 138. We're going to read this one together. Flip back to Psalm 138. We're going to read this one together and, and just read it with the, man, with the, 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 excitement that comes from reading a verse like this. <laughs> I mean, this is so great. Psalm 138, we're going to read it together. Verse 8 is where we're at, Psalm 138. I love it. Ready? The Lord will perfect that which your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Did you hear that from your own lips? The truth of God's word that he will perfect that which concerns you. His will will be accomplished in your life. That with all the things that come your way, God is still at work. And 
he's going to keep you. And you're going to make it, church. You're going to make it through. You're going to make it through this situation. You're going to make it through that situation. You're going to be in that place where you see Jesus face to face and he's going to speak to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. God knows you. God loves you. He's called you. He's at work in you and is keeping you. There you have five great takeaway truths from Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. Pastor Ed Taylor will share a few more thoughts when he returns in just a moment. And this is the Monday edition of Abounding Grace. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our apps, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We're consistently hearing from people that are growing by God's abounding grace as they take in and apply the Word of God. Your gifts help to make that possible. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Chuck Smith's book, Faith. Maybe you've wondered, what is faith? Where does it come from? And how does it work? Pastor Chuck explores those questions and many others that relate to the issue of faith in this helpful book. Request it today when you call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Here's Pastor Ed once again. Now, before we go, I know the last few weeks is pretty difficult when you're dealing with heavy doctrines. A few emails I've gotten here and there and like, come on, Ed. When are we going to get out of Romans chapter 8? I mean, come on, Ed. I mean, you have stayed in Romans chapter 8. We have been there for weeks. You're not just studying one verse at a time. You've been studying one word at a time. Will you please move on? And you know, I said, we're not going to move on. We're going to look at these doctrines one by one because it's important, even if we're looking at one word at a time. But I do want to show you something as we close 2 Timothy chapter 4 because we did pause on purpose and we are going to move on. We've got a few more studies in Romans chapter 8, and then we'll move on to 9. And as the Lord leads, we'll go in and finish the book of Romans together as a church. It's been this glorious study. I know a lot of you came in late uh, to the study in Romans that we started over a year ago. All those studies are up on the web. I'd encourage you to catch up because they all build on one another. But look at 2 Timothy, would you? Chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Because I want to encourage you, church, I want to encourage you, not in light of other churches. I don't want you to take this as, well, I guess we are better than other churches. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I, am, I am one to let you know right now that we are in cooperation with all the churches in town that name the name of Jesus Christ and are preaching the gospel this morning. We're not in competition with any church. We're not trying to be better than any church. We just recognize, and I realize as a pastor, that God has a will and a purpose for Calvary Chapel. And we want to be faithful to what he's given us. And I want to commend you as a congregation for your desire to hear the word. I'm not saying that to puff you up or to try to compare us with someone else. Just you, your desire for the word, your desire to take it in, your desire to, well, let's see what Paul says in verse 3. It says, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And in context, the word they there is referring to the church, believers, he says, there's a time coming, Paul says, that they're not going to want to listen to sound doctrine. Listen, I think we're in that time. I think we're in a time right now where there is a lack of endurance when it comes to sound doctrine. 
I mean, the doctrines, you see, we, we think sometimes that there's difficulty in doctrine because we don't fully understand the doctrine. I don't really see that as the major difficulty. The major difficulty that I see in sound doctrine is that you understand the doctrine, but you don't want to let it change your life. You fully understand that God wants all of your life, not, life, not a little bit of it. You fully understand that he foreknew you. You fully understand that he's called you, that he's predestined you, that he's got a great work for you, that he wants to use you, and yet you want to hold back. And so folks don't want to endure sound doctrine. But what a blessed privilege it is to have you, week after week and month after month, endure sound doctrine. Even if it takes from time to time, looking at one word at a time. And allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us. Your hunger for the word, your obedience to the word is infectious. And it spreads. And it makes for a strong church. You're here ready and receptive. And I say to that, to the credit of God in your life, working in and through you. Continue to endure. Not only enduring sound doctrine, but enduring afflictions, enduring difficulties, enduring hardships, enduring temptations, enduring to the end clinging and holding fast to Jesus Christ. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor doesn't want us to forget that God is for us, not against us. Be encouraged by that as you join us Tuesday. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.